Well, if you would turn in the scriptures to Hebrews, the 8th chapter, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, the ushers have some extra Bibles. Hold your hand up real high, and you can use one of ours. If you're with us, in the, the last time I was uh, ministering to you, we were talking about this in Hebrews uh, chapter 8 and verse 11. They'll not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least to the greatest. They'll all know me. We've been talking about walking with God and the ultimate benefit of walking with God is coming to know him. Coming to know him. Do you believe God is knowable? Can he be real to you? That you know him personally. Well the prophecy says that in that day. You know back in the old covenant. Not everybody knew the Lord personally. Most people did not. The scripture said that he, he revealed to Moses. His ways he revealed to the people, the children of Israel, his acts or his deeds. They saw what he did, but they didn't know him. And you know, you can see somebody from afar and, and, and know some things that they did. That doesn't mean you know them. And you can know that God created the heavens and the earth. And, and you can know that uh, he sent Jesus to die on the cross. You can know uh, some things about it. That doesn't mean you know him personally or that you fellowship with him uh, or that you walk with him and commune with him on a regular daily basis. But the prophecy said in that day they'll not say, let me tell you about the Lord. Let me show you what he's like. No, they'll all know me. They'll all know me. Say it out loud. They'll all know me from the least to the greatest. He said they'll all know. Now we know that. Uh, if, you, if you just go over to the 11th chapter. Of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 and 5. It says. By faith. Enoch was translated. That he should not see death. And he was not found. Because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Verse 6, without faith, it is impossible to please him, God. For he that comes to God must believe. This is not optional. If anybody's going to come to God, you must believe. And he mentions two specific things you've got to believe. In other words, if you don't believe these things, you're not coming to God. Anybody that does come to God believes these two things. What are they? One, that he is, that he exists, and that he's real, that he is God. If he's God, he's all-knowing. He's everywhere present. He's all-powerful. How many here raise up a hand and say, I believe he is? Hmm? Now, just the fact that you're in the building indicates you might believe that. Uh, 
But you do need to have your mind made up about it. Right? That you're not struggling with it. And sometimes I've heard people say, well, you know, I'm an educated person. I'm a person of science. You know, I just can't believe in this God you all believe. Wrong, wrong, wrong. You could believe if you'd choose to. You choose not to. And people act like, well, you know, uh, they're not a person that, of faith. They're a person of science. That's completely misrepresented. They just believe in something else. They can't explain, you know, all the things that they believe. But uh, their concepts of creation and their concepts of where man came from, it's not proven science. It's a belief. It's a theory. You listen to the greatest so-called scientists concerning the origins of the universe. And it won't take long until they'll say, we don't really know. Well, then if you don't really know, it's a belief you have. And so no need you mocking us for our belief. You just have a different belief from us. Your belief is based on something that some man came up with somewhere. Our belief is based on this book. I'm so glad. I'm not struggling with this. I'm fully persuaded that there is a God who created the heavens and the earth. He is. But, but you've got to believe something else. What else must you believe? You've got to believe something about his character. Something about his nature. That he is not a cold, indifferent being that created all this and gave it a spin and barely checks in on it. And he has more important things than to, than to bother with you. No, you got to believe he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. What does that mean? You got to believe uh, let me read this to you from another translation. The BBE, the, the basic Bible, says that he is a rewarder of all those who make a serious search for him. That if you ask, he'll answer. That if you seek, he'll cause you to find. That if you knock, it'll be open to you. You got to believe that. If you believe, I may pray and get nothing. I may seek and, and not find out anything about him, and it may not be his will, well, then you're not believing this. You got to believe he's a rewarder. He's a responder. He's a good God, and that if you reach out to get to know him, and you draw near to him, what will happen? He will respond to you. He will draw near to you. He will reveal himself to you, and, and you'll get to know him. You got to believe that. You must believe that, the scripture said. Go with me, if you would, over to the book of Mark. Mark, please, the seventh chapter, I believe it is. Mark 7 and 7. Well, we may need to read a little more of that. Let's look back up at about verse 3. Actually, just back up to verse 1. It's all good. So then came together to him, to Jesus the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. 
And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defile, that is to say with unwashing hands, they found fault. Because their main scripture uh, is cleanliness is next to godliness. Which is actually not a scripture. (laughs) But they were the first church of washing things. They were. (laughs) And at the first church of washing things, we wash stuff. And if you don't wash stuff, you ain't with it. And you probably won't make heaven. And of course, you got to wash it our way. They had a very specific procedure for washing. And verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands, often eat not. Holding the what? Now, where did they get this, this washing business? Is a tradition from their forefathers. They got it from mama and daddy and grandpa and grandma and great-grandma and great-grandpa and they got it from their parents. And so this has been passed down for generations. And so when you've done something all your life, well, you sure think that's the way it ought to be done. And when everybody around you does it that way, well, that's just the way it ought to be done. But there's a danger in thinking because we all do it this way and we've all done it this way for multiple generations that this is God and that he told us to do it this way when maybe he never did. People say, well, I mean, it's good enough for, for daddy and them and grandpa and great-grandpa and great-great-grandpa. Yeah, but what if great-great-grandpa missed God? What if he just had a wild idea? That caught on and stuck. (laughs) And he never heard from God about it. It's just something he dreamed up. Yeah, but see, that can get lost as the generations go by. Tradition of the elders, verse 4. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things they be which they have received to hold, as the washing of cups and pots and brass vessels, and tables. I mean, if it moved, they washed it. If it stood still, they washed it. And they washed it a certain way. It's got to be clean. Why? Because this is God. Having stuff clean is God. Because they were the first church of of clean. (laughs) And Jesus comes and sits down and starts eating and didn't even wash. And they're like, oh, Oh, he needs to get saved. (laughs) Did you see that? When's the last time you washed your hands? Now you laugh, but people teach their children stuff so adamantly like it's God. Now friend, as we get into this, you're going to hear me say this repeatedly. I want to challenge you. Examine what you believe and where you got it. And why you believe it. Challenge yourself. On everything you believe. Or think you know about God. Why do you believe that about God? Who told you that? 
Where did you get it? Because there is a ton of stuff that people say about God that is completely off the wall. God has been so misrepresented, so maligned, people have done the most atrocious stuff in the name of God. Supposedly he told them to do it. Supposedly the, the, the God's will and, and God's way when it had nothing to do with him. I'm talking about whole movements, hundreds of thousands of people, millions of people doing rituals and routines and this and that and the other, and it is nowhere to be found in this book. It's got nothing to do with God, and yet whole organizations and religious structures have been built out of it. And people are adamant, adamant about it. Just like these guys were about washing stuff. I want you to notice who they are correcting. <laughs> who are they correcting? Who are they straightening out telling him what's God and how it ought to be done? <laughs> Only God manifested in the flesh. Looking at them. And instead of them listening to him. They're correcting him because he don't wash like they do. Keep reading. The Pharisees and scribes asked him, him who? Jesus. Why don't you, your disciples walk according to the, to the what? The scriptures? The scriptures? I had a lady come to me one time after I'd spoken. And she, she's shaking her head about something I had said. She said, now, now, I just can't go along with that. I said, why? She said, well, it's like the song says. I said, huh? Like what? Like the song says. And she quoted to me some unbelieving song that happened to be in a hymnal. Not everything in a hymnal agrees with this book. And just because this has been around for a couple of hundred years, doesn't mean it's any more true now than it was when they wrote it 200 years ago. I, think, I feel like I lost somebody right there. <laughs> oh, Brother Keith, are you talking about the hymnal? <laughs> I'm talking about the hymnal. I'm talking about this creed and that creed and this thing and that thing and everything your mama said and everything you ever thought. I want you to challenge it. Are you with me, friends? Challenge it and, and make yourself answer the question, where did I get this? Where did this come from? Why do we believe this? There is only one authoritative source. This book is the only sure word that you can know that that's right. And this is the only thing you build your life on. If you can't find it in here, then you don't need to be making a big deal out of it. And you certainly don't need to be building your life on it. And you don't need to be drilling it into your kids. Ask yourself frequently, is it a scripture? And ask yourself the question, where is the scripture? Where's the scripture? I'm, uh, just let this be an ongoing thing. 
Anytime you think of something you believe, something you think is right, what do you ask yourself? Where is it at? Where is it at in here? And if you can't find it in here, how do you know it's even true? Maybe something that people around you have believed for years, but you know, the majority is not always right. But this is right. Keep reading. He said, well, has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites? <laughs> As it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They talk a lot, but their heart's not with me. In vain do they worship me. Is it possible to worship God in vain? For no reason, no benefit. Do you suppose today there are people worshiping God in vain? In vain. That means it's doing them no good to do it. Why? Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Their whole belief system is based on what men said. What, what men came up with. It's not my job to tell you what to believe. It's not. It's my job to believe God for utterance to tell you what the word says. And you should already know that you should believe that. You should believe what he told you. I know when I grew up in church from the time I was a small child. But for the first Ah, 17 so years of my life. The word was not first place. Just because church is in your life doesn't mean the word is first place in your life. I believed whatever the preacher said. I believed what our denomination thought. But where did they get it? Where did it come from? How did it start? Thank God. Just as Phyllis and I got married right out of high school, the Lord got his word to us through some people who learned, knew some things about living by faith and knew how faith came that it comes by hearing his word. And you know, many of you know of our association with, with Kenneth Hagin and their ministry. And one of the greatest things we got from, from him is that the word is first place. That's it. Everything comes back to God's word. It, it, it has the preeminent place in your life. Well, of course, if you don't know what the word says, where does that leave you? If that's supposed to be the foundation of your life and, and the, the, the standard that you judge everything by, if you don't know it, you're at a tremendous disadvantage. You're easily duped. You're easily misled. You're easily deceived. The less you know about the word, the easier you are to trick. So as we begin to learn and develop, we went to Bible school. The Lord challenged me as I was hearing, I was hearing wonderful things, but the Lord challenged me in a time of prayer. He said, examine everything you believe. Everything you believe, do not just say, yeah, I believe this. Where is it at? Where is it? And so I did. He'd remind, I said, well, Lord, help me with this and I'll do it. I didn't realize what a job it was. 
And as the days went by, I'd realize, well, I believe that. Okay, where is it? So I'd get to, I'd get to looking. And some things I found and thought, okay, yeah, that's right. But there were several things, not just two or three. Then as time went on, I'd think, okay, where's that at? And I'd look and I'd look and I'd get my concordance down. If you don't have a concordance, get you one. That way you can look up subjects, you know, and find out where things are in the Bible. And I got me a little concordance. And I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find one thing about that in the Bible. And I thought, well, hold on now. I've believed this all my life. Where's it at? Well, I know it's in here somewhere. So I looked and I looked and I looked and I looked and, I, and the more I looked and actually found some scriptures that contradicted it. I thought, now hold on here. <laughs> and I finally realized I heard somebody say that somewhere. I heard a preacher say that. Well, it's because a preacher says it. Don't make it true. Say that again real slow. <laughs> Just because a preacher said it, it doesn't make it true. You need to check everything that comes out of my mouth. And every, every other preacher, everybody else that you hear, you need to check everything that comes out. Don't, people say, well, that, that sounds like a lot of work. It is. I just, well, just tell me what to believe and I'll do it. No. No. A lot of folks have been doing that. That's what we're saying. Stop doing that. Get you a Bible. Check everything out. Everything you think, I believe this, I don't believe that, where is it in the scriptures? Let this book be your standard that you measure everything by. And if it's not there, I don't care who had a dream. I don't care who had a vision. I don't care who prophesied. Are you with me, friends? If it's not in here, you don't accept it. You don't believe it. Look with me in John. The fourth chapter. John 4. Jesus was at the the well. And he met the woman at the well. And he ministered to her supernaturally. And then she went back and told the people. She had met him. And what he said and what he did. and, And people got excited. And believed based on what she said. And then back in what is it about John 4 and 40 or so. When the Samaritans were come, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he he stayed there two days. And many more believed, why? Because of his own word. Verse 42, and they said to the woman, now we believe, why? Not because of what you told us, but we have heard him ourselves. And know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. We don't believe because you told us you believe. We don't believe just because of your experience that you related or your revelation. We have heard him ourselves. Said out loud, we have heard him ourselves. The Lord gave us a word about this church. At, at its, the time of its first services. That this would not just be a place where people came and heard about God. And learned about God. But a place where people experienced God. I'm holding on to that word. 
Would you receive it? Yes. Believe with me. Not, you're not supposed to know God vicariously through your ministers. Your beliefs are not supposed to just be based on what I believe or any other preacher or experiences that I've had walking with God. You're not to know him through anybody else vicariously. You're to know him for yourself. One of the greatest revelations you can ever get is that you can know him for yourself. Do you believe you can know him for yourself? Experience him. A lot of people know stuff about God, but they don't know him. He's like a historical figure like George Washington. Jesus is like George Washington or Abraham Lincoln or, or who else. You know, he, they know some stuff about him. They can quote some stuff about him. No, do you know him personally, genuinely? Well, if you don't, how can you get to know him? How can you get to know him? Well, how did Enoch walk with God? By faith. And you see some amazing things about that, that phrase, that verse. He walked with God by faith, and that faith pleased God, and it changed him. Enoch came into a place he had never been before, and, and where God was more real to him than he had ever experienced before. Do you believe that will happen with you? Amen. Say it out loud, I can know him for myself. Can you come into a place walking by faith with God that you've never been before? Yes. A place where he's more real than you ever imagined he could be. To you. Yes. That's what's supposed to happen in this family and with you and with all believers. Go to Philippians, please. The third chapter. Paul talks about his previous life before he met the Lord. Philippians 3 and 3. Well, verse 4. He said, Though I might have confidence in the flesh, if any other man think that he has whereof he might trust in the flesh, I'm more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Was he a religious man? Yes. yes. Did he know God? No. no, not at all. He could quote the law backwards and forwards. He was zealous. He was so zealous about the things of God, he persecuted the church, thinking he was doing God a favor. And yet, when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he said, who are you? Is it possible to be completely religious and not know God at all? It is. Jesus told the most religious people of his day, the leaders of the Jews, the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, he said, you search the scriptures, because in them you think you have eternal life, but they are talking about me, and you won't come to me. They said, we, we believe in God, we believe in the law, we believe. He said, yeah, and it's all talking about me, and here I am. And they said, no, we don't want you. They rejected him, which means they didn't know God at all. 
and yet they're just as religious as can be. One of the biggest enemies of knowing God is religion. I'm talking about Christian religion. You can know all kind of stuff about God and not know him at all. Paul said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As far as knowledge of the law, a Pharisee. He was trained at the feet of Gamaliel. He had the best religious education you could get. But I want you to, I want you to see the, what happened in his life when he met Jesus for real. He said, all of those things, verse 7, but what things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung. What is Paul calling dung? <laughs> huh? We need to answer this question. What is he calling dung? What is dung? Well, it's what you think it is. <laughs> so what is Paul calling manure? All of the religious tradition and junk that he had before he met Jesus. All of his rules, all of his rituals, he said it's all manure. Now, has that been preached in the church real strong? <laughs> he said, I, I count it dumb. Why? Keep, keep reading. Why? What did he find that caused him to say, that's all a bunch of dumb? That I may win Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through what? Faith. Faith. The faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Keep going. That what? That I may know him. Know him for myself. Come on, can you know Jesus? Like you know your mama, your daddy, your spouse, your children, your great. Can you know him? Is he knowable? But you've got to turn loose. Of all the religious traditional junk. Because that is a replacement. For actually knowing him. Paul said all that religious junk. That I was so proud of. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. Religious. To the core. And zealous about it. Some of the meanest people on the planet. Are religious zealots. They will destroy you and give you three scriptures why it's okay. <laughs> he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I want to know him. I want to know what he did when he went to the cross. I want to know what he did when he, when he uh, died, when he was resurrected. I want to know. Do you want to know? I want to know him inside out. I want to know how he thinks. I want to know his ways. I don't just want to, I'm not satisfied with you telling me you know him. I want to know him for myself. And that's what he wants is for you to know him. 
He said, uh, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. I don't count myself to have apprehended. We have not arrived at knowing him. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What is the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? You already know the answer, don't you? Go back to 1 Corinthians, you can see it. 1 Corinthians 1, you don't have to go there, they'll put it up on the screen for us. But what is it? 1 Corinthians 1, 9, I believe it is. God is faithful by whom you are called to what? What is this call? You are called to the fellowship of Jesus. To fellowship with him. And to know him. What is the mark, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? You are called just like Adam and Eve walked with God and communed with him in the cool of the day. And that was lost by sin, but Jesus got it back by his redemption. Hallelujah. And now you and I can walk with him again and get to know him. You're called to know him. And old friend, as a result of knowing him, you become like him. What is the the mark, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? It is to know him and to be like him. You can't be like him unless you know him. Because what are you being like? You don't even know what to be like. There are people all over the place will tell you God's like this, God's like that. No, God hates this, God loves this, God this. Really? Do they know him? This is something they got by tradition. How'd they come up with this? Where's the scriptures? Don't just let somebody tell you what God's like and you swallow it and go, okay, well, he must be. No, 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 no. Can you know him better than you know him now? I'm going to begin to get into this right now. Go ahead and go to John 10. How can you know him? Beyond where you know him now. How can you know him better? Here is one of the first things we'll touch on. John chapter 10. This chapter Jesus is revealing himself as the good shepherd. Is he your shepherd? The good shepherd. And he said... Well, verse 1, he that enters not by the door into the sheepfold, but comes up some other way, the same's a thief and a robber. But he that enters in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth his own sheep, he goes before him, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. They know his voice. You know the voice of people that's in your life, that's been in your life for years. You heard that voice when it was happy, when it was angry, when it was sad. You've heard all the variances and in between. 
And if everybody in this room was talking at once, you could, with your eyes closed, pick out that voice, couldn't you? Your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your child, your spouse, you know that voice. You can recognize that voice, you can pick that voice. How did you get to where you know that voice like that? By hearing it so, so much over such a long period of time. How are you going to get to know the Lord? By hearing his voice. How do you know what is his voice? If it's his voice, it's going to sound just like this. Whether it's coming through me, or whether you're reading out of this book, or whether it's coming through somewhere else, or whether it's just coming up in your spirit in the middle of the night, it's going to sound just like this. Do you realize this is not, some people try to say so, but it's not just a book written by men. It's the same voice speaking in Genesis that's speaking in Psalms. Even though there are many different humans involved, it's the same voice speaking through Matthew that's speaking through John. Same voice speaking through Acts. Same voice speaking through Ephesians and Hebrews and Revelation. Different human instruments, but it's the same voice. How many can testify it's the same voice? It's the same voice. And the Holy Spirit that's in you, same voice, because he's the author of this book. If he's speaking through someone else, same voice. And what about his sheep? What about his sheep? Oh, thank you, Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Skip down to verse 14. I am the good shepherd. And what? I know my sheep. And and am what? Can you know him? Right there it says so. He knows us. And he says, he's known of us. I am known of mine. Can you know him? Verse 14. And verse 15, as the father knows me, even so know I the father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Skip on down to verse uh, 27. And if, you don't, if you're not familiar with this, you ought to circle this. You ought to highlight it. Put a star by it. <laughs> Whatever it is to show its significance to you and help get this ingrained in your thinking and heart. What does it say? My sheep. Are you one of his sheep? Yes. If you're not, you ought to become so right today, this morning. My sheep do what? They hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Never say again, I can't hear from God. Because they're speaking contrary to the scripture. I've had people come and say, Brother Keith, pray, pray. I, I got a big decision to make. And man, this is, this is life. And, and, and I, if I get this wrong, it could just ruin my life. And, 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 and I, I don't want to do the, the wrong thing. I've fasted. I've prayed. I just can't seem to hear from God. I just can't seem to... You know, and I said, stop. Never say that again. Why? Never say again, you can't hear from God. Are you saved? Oh, yeah. Are you, are you one of his sheep? Yeah. Then it is written. My sheep know my voice. Right? You got to give words that don't oppose God. You got to give words that agree with God. 
what he said. I've been talking like this for years, and man, it helps me so much. I say, I am his sheep, and I know his voice. And a stranger's voice I will not follow. He orders my steps. He directs my paths. I have an anointing, and I know everything I need to know by this anointing. He is leading me. He is guiding me. I will know the right thing to do. I'll be at the right place at the right time because he's helping me. I'm his sheep, and I know his voice. And the more you say that and the more you agree with that, the more real he'll become to you and the more clear it'll be to you. And this, if if you're into this, you're on your way walking with him, aren't you? And if you hear him through his word, reading your chapter every day, and you come to church and you hear him speaking through the ministry gifts, and you hear his spirit speaking to you in line with his word, and you hear him on Monday morning, and you hear him on Tuesday afternoon, and you hear him in the book, and you hear him at church, and you hear him in your spirit, and you hear him week after week, and month after month, after a while, you get to know him. You get to know that voice. And when other people say, well, God's like this and God's like that, you go, oh, wait up, wait up. (laughs) I've been hanging with him for 40 years now, huh? And he said this, and I've seen him do that, but that can't be, because that's contrary with everything I've heard him say. Come on, and then you're not so easily duped by any and everything that, idea that people come up with about God, because you know him for yourself, Oh, friends, is this appealing to you? You know him for yourself. Stand up with me, everybody. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Just close your eyes. Lift up your your heart and your mind towards him. He's real. If you haven't done so, make the decision that you believe in him, that he's real, and that you believe he's a good God. He he doesn't reveal himself to people who don't believe in him. It'll seem like it confirms your unbelief, but the problem's not with him, it's with you. Say it out loud, Lord, I believe in you. I believe you're real. And I believe you're a good God. I confess Jesus. Lord of my life. I receive. All that was done for me. At the cross. I believe he's raised from the dead. And I confess Jesus. Lord and Savior. Over me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.